Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue in our study in the 11th chapter of the book of Mark, verses 12 through 18. After all of the anticipation and the fear the disciples were experiencing because Jesus told them he would die in Jerusalem, and then there was the triumphal entry into Jerusalem that we looked at last week, things were pretty calm. Jesus entered the temple, looked around, and left back for Bethany. Maybe the disciples sighed a huge sigh of relief, thinking perhaps things wouldn't go so badly after all. Well, the next day they came back to Jerusalem, entered the temple again, and Jesus probably horrified the disciples with what he did next. Pastor Jim will take it from here. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, Jesus's Spring Cleaning. Even before Israel entered the land, when God was promising it to them and telling them what they were going to receive, he said things like Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 8. He said, It is a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. So from the start, the fig tree was one of the promised blessings of the land that God gave to Israel. There's a wonderful promise of the blessings that God says will come to Israel in the kingdom of the Messiah over in Zechariah chapter 3 verse 9. In other words, the fig trees aren't going away in Israel. Zechariah 3, 9 and 10 says, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. Now, we know we're not talking about Jesus' day. We know we're not talking about Zechariah's day. We know we're talking about the kingdom. That's the only time that the iniquity is removed from the land. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and under his fig tree. In the kingdom, we can invite each other over to our houses for a picnic and we can sit under the shade of our fig trees. Both the shade and the fruit of the fig tree were symbols of God's blessing, God's gifts, and the prosperity He would give to the nation of Israel. Hence, the absence of the fig tree, the cursing of the fig tree, is a symbol of judgment and deprivation in the land of Israel. Jesus uses this barren fig tree, which instantly becomes a dead fig tree, to illustrate the spiritual condition of the nation. They were spiritually barren. It's connected very closely to what he was about to do in the temple. Now understand, Jesus wasn't angry at this fig tree for not providing him a snack. It wasn't that tree's fault that it wasn't bearing fruit that day. Um, Jesus, if he wanted to, could have created a jungle of fig trees full of fruit in that instant if he wanted to. The explanation is far deeper than just a snack to quench his hunger. 
And for you, the explanation is going to come later, next Sunday, Lord willing. I was online this morning. I skimmed through the, the uh, video of the worship service of our uh, sister church in Russia, and, and I noticed that the video was an hour and 52 minutes long, and I thought, Lord, that would be perfect. I could cover the whole text if we would do that, but this is America. This isn't Russia. So, point number one is we'll come back to this. Next time, we'll come back to the fig tree. Secondly, disinfecting the robber's den. Now, Jesus was very familiar with what was going on in Jerusalem at the Passover. Joseph and Mary came to Jerusalem every year at the Passover, so Jesus had been there probably 30 times before His ministry began, at least that much. During His ministry, Jesus continued the pattern of coming to Jerusalem every Passover. One of the ways that uh, we put together the harmony of the Gospels and can put the timing to some of the events is by checking off the Passovers that Jesus came to uh, Israel. The time around Passover in the city of Jerusalem was absolutely crazy. The population of the city literally multiplied. People would come and stay for uh, up to a week and more. His triumphal entry was a week before the Passover, and already the city was full. Remember the huge crowd that streamed out from Jerusalem to meet the crowd that was coming from Bethany and Bethphage to, uh, for the triumphal entry? Uh, every home that had space would house visiting family and extended family and, and even strangers sometimes. Many people actually camped in and around the city of Jerusalem at the Passover. And the focal point of it all is the temple. Sacrifices were offered there day after day, all year round, but especially during Passover week, sacrifices were offered by the thousands. The outer court of the temple. Now, we know how much space that place took up. The the, the Holy of Holies is 10 feet by 10 feet. Then there's the area around that that's multiple of that, and then the area around that that's multiple of that, the outer court. Then there's the court of the Gentiles. Well, we still have that standing in Jerusalem. It's 1,000 feet by 2,000 feet is the whole temple mount, and the vast majority of that was the outer court or the court of the Gentiles because Gentiles were permitted there. During Passover week, that was turned into a bustling place of business. The reason is the chief priests were utterly corrupt and completely spiritually bankrupt. They, for their own gain, sold space to vendors who were then licensed to sell animals for the sacrifices. They were, in essence, selling franchises. Hey, charge whatever you can, give us our 20%, and you can have booth number 722 over there. They also sold space to people who exchanged currency. That way travelers could buy their sacrificial animals. Like, think of those people who came from Greece. You didn't want to bring your lamb from 
Athens to, to Jerusalem, uh, so they would buy the animal when you got there. Everybody also had to pay a half shekel temple tax, and they prescribed that it had to be paid in Israeli coins. So if you bring your currency from somewhere else, they would happily exchange it for you for a fee. Some say that the fee was up to 25%. Historian Alfred Edersheim wrote a lot of detail about this, and he, he said that during the Passover week, visitors had to pay exorbitant prices for the animal sacrifices, sometimes ten times the normal prices. I understand there was also a racket going on because the Passover lamb had to be spotless without blemish. They decided, well, the priest has to decide which animal passes muster. So you bring your animal, you've maybe hiked for, you know, a, a, a week to get there and, and your animal isn't ex- quite as pristine as when you got there. So the priest would disqualify your animal and say, well, you know, um, we'll give you two shekels for your animal and you can buy a sacrifice here. Each lamb is 50 shekels. Just, just ridiculous, total ripoff of the legitimate worship of the people, the well-intended worship, by the leaders of Israel. The place, that outer temple, came to be called the Bazaar of Annas. Remember the name Annas? He was the high priest during that time. That place got its nickname for that corrupt high priest under whose leadership the commercialism and the scam reached its zenith. They were preying on people who needed animals for the sacrifice, who needed coins for the temple tax. All of it was an abomination to God. The temple and its court were meant to be a place of worship. They were meant to be a place of meditation, meant to be a place of prayer, meant to be a quiet, reverent place. When Jesus arrived, it looked like a flea market more than a place of worship. It was as commercialized and it was corrupt as it could possibly be, far from true worship. And I'm sure when Jesus came in the night before and saw what He knew He was going to see, it broke His heart. Now, you might remember three years earlier, Jesus came into the same situation on the first Passover during his ministry, the first Passover that he visited Israel, visited Jerusalem during his ministry. At that time, he fashioned together a scourge of cords and like a whip, and he used it to drive out the money changers and those who were selling sheep and oxen. You can read about that in John chapter 2. A very similar situation, but it's not the same event. It was three years earlier, and now, three Passovers later, the situation is at least as bad probably worse, because that's how things tend to go. So look at Mark's description of what happened this time. This time, no whip. He does it with his bare hands. Mark 11, 15 through 18. Then they came to Jerusalem after the fig tree had died, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple. And when it says began to drive out, it uses the imperfect tense. He started a process, and he didn't stop until he'd finished driving them out. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.